Hello, my name is Ethan, and welcome back to another episode of Crossroads Conversations. So before we get started, I, I did want to just kind of explain where I've been for the past month because it's it's been about a month since my last episode. So I have been serving as an assistant stage manager on a local production of American Buffalo. We just premiered at Tulsa Performing Arts and finished out. It was a great show. We had an amazing director. We had wonderful turnout. So that's kind of what I've been up to is literally most nights I have been up there till 11.30 at night, just making sure that everything is ready to go. And then just recently, I graduated from law school. So it has just been a very busy time. But in the meantime, I've been thinking a lot about this next episode and kind of what I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to talk about something that, if you know me at all, and if you've talked to me for any length of time, that's this has probably come up. And it's the idea of living life with an open hand, and then in addition to that, practicing a sort of holy indifference is the term. So for that latter term, holy indifference, because I imagine that'll hit some of us differently, because as Christians, we don't tend to think of our lives as indifferent to anything in particular, especially not indifferent to the lives of our neighbor, and and certainly that is not what I'm referring to. So The term comes from St. Ignatius, so I didn't make this up. He was a Jesuit priest in about the 16th century, and what he taught is really very simple. Uh, Everything is a gift from God, so we shouldn't cling too tightly to our lives, or anything in them really, because our attention should be on God's sovereignty. God's will should allow us to just be detached from preference of any sort. In short, we should just practice letting go of attachments to to wealth, to health, to status, our possessions, or maybe even our comfort. And this isn't to say that we shouldn't be concerned about the things in our life or even the things that happen to us, or especially not the things that happen to our neighbors. Certainly not. We are called again and again to be concerned about injustice in the world. So this isn't a way of getting out of that. This isn't a way of shirking our responsibilities. We do have a real responsibility to one another. But this is more just a way of saying, how do we respond, right? Do we respond from a place of wholeness, or are we just reacting to things? This is much more about contentment, um, which I think we can understand better as maybe the Apostle Paul puts it in Philippians, that I have learned the secret of being content in all things. And so that's that's kind of what St. Ignatius is getting at, and that's kind of what I mean when I say a sort of holy indifference about the things that happen to us, that whether we are <laughs> whether we're on top or whether we're on bottom, we have learned to be okay in the midst of it. So a little background about kind of my journey with this concept and with this idea. So Last August, I was in Rogers, Arkansas, of all places. I was staying with some family that uh, had just recently relocated to the area, and I was adjusting to quite a few changes in my life, and frankly, I just I just needed a reset. I really just needed to press the reset button on a few things in my life, and one morning, I, I woke up around 6 a.m., and 
I decided just on a whim, there was this open air chapel, uh, non-denominational that I had passed on my way in and, uh, I just wanted to go and, and check it out. And so I'd, uh, I'd always been really deeply touched by places like that. And in fact, the place I used to live, there was, uh, some campgrounds, maybe 10, 15 minutes down the road. And I used to go there and, and just pray, meditate and, and just kind of explore the scenery. And I was just felt really connected to, to God and, and just to that place in particular. So the, it, this kind of had a similar feel just passing. And I kind of knew that there was something, something special about this area. So I decided to go back uh, that morning and um, I just walked in and there was nobody there. It was a uh, sort of situation where, you know, there's no lights or anything, but it's early enough and it's got these beautiful stained glass windows everywhere. Just the morning light is shining through and there's this beautiful crucifix kind of hanging. There is kind of a, a kneeling bench. There's, I mean, just anything that you could ask for for an open air chapel. So I sign in and I just kind of sit on, on one of the one of the wooden pews there and just begin praying, just begin to meditate and think about the last few months. And it had been, it had been a, a rather um, <laughs> intense time, uh, just a lot of change in my life and a lot of things going out of my life. And I think during that time, I was coming to that chapel with so much on my shoulders and really a lot of fear. A lot of fear about the future, a lot of fear about what I lost, a lot of fear about where I was going. And I just didn't really know what to do. And I just sat there and was meditating and uh, minutes dragged on. And eventually I was there for over an hour, which is just not my everyday, really. Um, and during that hour, I just I kept thinking about all the transitions that I'd been in. And that, that's the key term, just the transitions that I'd seen. And over the, those last few years, I mean, I'd lost jobs, I'd lost friends, I'd seen, you know, death touch people that I loved in deep, deep ways, and seen my faith kind of slip through my fingers at times. But in that moment, I was just utterly convinced of one thing, the overwhelming goodness of God. And in that moment, I remember praying and kind of being stopped at some point and just feeling like, what do I have to be afraid of if I truly believe that God is as good as he says that he is? And I do believe that he's as good as he says he is. What do I have to be afraid about the changes that happen in my life if I believe he's here in my life, if I believe he's on my side, that I believe he will never leave me, nor will he forsake me, but he'll go with me always, even to the end or at the conclusion of, of all things. And I began thinking about this idea of the life. What does life look like when you live it with an open hand? And that day for the first time, I remember, I, I'm sure I had done it before, but I'm not sure I'd ever been really aware of it. But I was praying and my hands were just open. My palms were facing upwards to the sky. And I just kept saying again and again, God, there's nothing in my life that is truly my own, but everything that I have is a gift. Even my next breath is a gift from you. And whatever you want to put into my life, you can, but also whatever you want to take out of my life, you can as well. 
And that's a difficult thing to pray. And it's even an even more difficult thing to really believe when you get up off your knees and you begin to go into the world. And so today I wanted to talk about what does that look like? What does it mean to live life like that? Well, I think the first thing it means is you have to recognize that you're a finite being, that you're not going to live forever. You are not immortal. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You will die. Spoiler alert, I'm not sure if you're aware, but you will die at some point, probably sooner than you want to. And that's okay. Except that your time here is a gift from God, and that's all it is. It's not yours to control, but it's a gift. And so keep your hands open, that whether that means more time or less time, then it is exactly that. It's a gift. The second thing that that means is don't cling too tightly to people or things that you attempt to coerce or control them in some way. But you have to be okay with the fact that people are free to enter your life. And we love that. We love when people will come into our lives. But we also have to accept that people are free to exit. Now, we're not locking the door on our hearts. We're not, <laughs> we're not keeping people out. But we're saying that we, we believe in their autonomy so much, and we trust in their autonomy, that they're free to come in and they're also free to exit whenever they wish. And this also applies to things like possessions, your, your status, um, your health, and yes, going back to that, your eventual death. Because again, these things aren't in your hands. These aren't yours to control. And so finally, I think what this means as well is we have to embrace the present as it is, which it is a gift, and it's freely given to you by God, who holds all things in his hands. And if you're fully convinced of his goodness, then this is a great promise. So here's what this doesn't mean. Um, and I always have to say this. This doesn't mean that we ignore suffering or that we're even just grinning and bearing it. This isn't a type of Christian stoicism where we ignore suffering, where we ignore our suffering, or we especially don't ignore the suffering around us in the world or that's happening to our friends, our family, our neighbors. That's not what this means. And so the first thing we have to establish is God's not the author of those things. He's not the author of your worst moment. He didn't cause your calamity. And he's not interested in teaching you a lesson through it. God is not this kind of sadistic beast. He's not interested in causing you pain in order to show himself strong through it. That's not who he is. That's not the sort of God that we see revealed in Christ. Rather, what we see is that God may not cause that pain, but he is willing to step inside of that pain and redeem it. He's willing to take it on him and bring it forth in such a way that you end up better than you were before. And maybe that happens here in this world, in this current epoch, or maybe that happens sometime later. We don't know. But we do believe, and we confess as Christians, that God is constantly on the move, that he's transforming all things, that he's making all things new, and we confess this. We believe that God in some way is making all the things around us that we see as evil, that we see as painful, that we see as suffering, that he's transforming it into something greater. And again, how that happens, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows for sure. 
But we do know this for a fact, that everything will be made right eventually, even if it's not made right right now. And besides all that, God is with you in your suffering right now. He's present to you. He is a present help. He's not far and disconnected. He's not sitting somewhere where he can't hear you, where he can't see you, where he can't feel you. But God is near the brokenhearted. But, and, and God is with you even when it doesn't seem like he's near. Even when it seems like you can't discern him on your left hand or your right hand. He is in the midst of your pain. That's where he meets us. To join with Christ in his sufferings means that you are closer to God when you suffer, when you experience hardship, than you are when you're okay, when you're feeling joy or happiness. That's the mystery of the cross. And that's one of the the strange paradoxes, if you can think of it like that, as sort of a, a contradiction that isn't quite a contradiction, but in fact is true. I mean, think about the enduring symbol of Christianity, which is the cross. Somehow, we are saved through tragedy. We are saved through the wrongful murder of a first century Jewish rabbi. Somehow, that causes us to overcome the powers of sin and death. We don't necessarily know exactly how that works, but we know it does. And so that's our reality. So we can trust. We can trust and keep our hand open because our Heavenly Father knows how to give us good gifts. We can trust that goodness in all things. And we can go back to what Jesus told his disciples again and again. You have nothing to fear. What did he say again and again? Do not be afraid. That's what Jesus is always reminding us in the Gospels, and I, I think he meant it. <laughs> Do not be afraid. Why? Why aren't we supposed to be afraid? Because God is good. Because the goodness of God is such that you do not have to be afraid. You don't have to clutch at your life. You don't have to close your hand, and you don't have to close your heart to other people. Because when you know who God is, you know who you are. You know those things perfectly in the way that you're supposed to know them. And so you don't need to control things. You don't need to control your neighbor. You don't need to even control your life. You can be fine letting God work in his time, you can let the rose unfold in its time. You can let God make all things beautiful in its time. You can believe that this too shall pass because you know that God is good. So that's what I've been thinking about. And I think this is, this feels strange to us in some ways. And in many ways, it is kind of countercultural. Because I think we've been taught that that in some way we need to be suspicious of change. We need to be suspicious of the things that, that cut against the grain, that um, cause hardship in us. But perhaps there's another way of looking at it. Perhaps there's another way of maybe not welcoming suffering. Because suffering isn't inherently good. I think that's also important to say. You know, This isn't to say that suffering is good or that suffering is what God intends for you. But it is to say that your suffering isn't in vain. Your pain is not useless pain. 
but that God is redeeming it. Or maybe that God will redeem it in time, that he will turn it into something more than it is right now. So your pain isn't useless, right? So you can't, we don't slip into the sense of meaninglessness. This isn't nihilism. But we can trust and we can believe that God is turning all of this, that he's taking our pain, that he's, he's taking our hurt, and he's making it into something more than we can imagine right now, more than we can ask or think. So that's that's sort of where I'm at right now. And, and I've, I've seen a lot of change just in my own life over the last year. And that's what I've reminded myself again and again, is whenever it gets overwhelming, whenever I think, man, I don't know how I feel about that, or, you know, that, that really hurt. What I try to do is I think back to that chapel in Rogers, Arkansas, and I open my hands, and I look down and I say exactly what I said that day. God, nothing I have is truly my own, but everything is a gift from you. And what do I have to fear if I'm in your hands? For I know you are safe. I know you do not intend harm for me. I know that you do not shame me, but I know that you love me. And I know nothing can separate me from your love, not even death. As scary as that might be, not even death can separate me from your love. So what do I have to fear in this life, really? Because even the most penetrating part of our life, which is our inevitable demise, which seems to always be lurking somewhere just in the corner of our imagination, even that, God in Christ overcomes. And I think this is what Jesus is getting at when he says, do not be afraid. Because even the thing that seemingly was inconquerable, that was impenetrable, death, Christ finds a way through. And how does he do it? He does it through submission. And importantly, submission through love, through nonviolent, sacrificial, otherworldly love. That's how he does it. And that's the same way we will do it, that we will conquer death, is through submitting to nonviolent, sacrificial love, keeping our hands open, believing that God is good, that even if I don't see it, I can trust that God is making beauty from these ashes, that one day all these things will be made right. You can trust that. Why can you trust that? Because God is good. And he means what he says he means. He is good in the way that he says he's good. And you have nothing to be afraid of.